Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Great deal of concern about what's going on in Ukraine right now. A planned speech uh, by Russian President Vladimir Putin may see him declare four occupied territories of Ukraine to now be parts of Russia. Charles de la Desma has details. In a daily intelligence briefing, the British Defence Ministry says Putin will address both houses of the Russian Parliament on Friday and could declare the annexation of the regions. The internationally criticised vote is ending Tuesday. The ministry adds Russia will almost certainly hope that any accession announcement will be seen as a vindication of the special military operation and will consolidate patriotic support for the conflict. An aspiration, the ministry says, likely undermined by the increasing domestic awareness of Russia's recent battlefield setbacks. I'm Charles Dilladesma. Let's talk about the ramifications of that. And oh, by the way, those uh, phony referendum are going on today as well. Elliot Tepper joins us. Elliot is Emeritus Professor of Political Science at Carleton University. Uh, Elliot, thank you for the time today. Uh, I don't know. It seems as if we're going from bad to worse here with the, the actions of Putin and, and now with the, the referenda that are going on these days. Uh, and some pretty ugly stories about what's happening on the ground there. Yes, there's a lot to talk about here. Uh, about those referenda, the uh, stories coming out are pretty awful. You've seen video of it, perhaps, where armed soldiers in full uniform are going door to door with the uh, people who are collecting the votes. <laughs> so they say, well, just tell us how you plan to vote and we'll fill it in for you. So this is uh, there's some pretty nasty stuff going on there. I think we should keep in mind uh, some things that maybe don't get a lot of attention to this, that this referenda, well, let's start with what uh, Ukraine has said, uh, President Zelensky has said, what this referendum make clear is that diplomacy is no longer possible to end this conflict. And he's told Russia that. Uh, he said this is, uh, it means Russia does not want to end the war. There's nuclear blackmail going on, not bluffing, etc. One of the, um, one of the things that we should keep in mind, which is buried in all this is that this referendum as we're hearing you know from the top once it becomes russian territory well you can't attack it right but what he did very carefully if you read his um, his address to the nation he's setting the legal construct now for phase three of this war phase uh, plan a didn't work you know attack ukraine wrap it up in a week plan b didn't work oh we'll just expand and take over all the Donbass and then declare those part of Russia. That didn't work. Plan C, uh, it's going now from a, a well-armed ex- expeditionary force in Plan B to all-out war. And they're drawing on the very vast human resources of Russia. Uh, the legal construct that's buried into the announcement is this. Uh, you cannot use conscripts outside of the Russian territory uh, to fight a war under Russian law. But if you incorporate these little phony statelets into Russia, then you can actually use the conscripts. So it's a legal technical matter. But also, the nuclear doctrine of Russia is now involved in all of this because Russia has always said we won't do first use, but any existential threat to the existence of the, of the country, that will justify our use of nuclear weapons. And they've got beyond that a, a whole elaborate theory that they're going to escalate to de-escalate. They'll use a nuclear weapon only in case where the, there's an existential threat to the existence of the Russian state. 
You and I talked about this last week, I think. Well, mm -hmm. this isn't just paranoia, uh, which it might well be, but he's telling the Russian people, ah, there is an existential threat to us. Look, they're attacking our new statelets down there. So there's that kind of threat. We can now escalate to de-escalate. That is, use a tactical nuclear weapon to scare everybody. Then everybody will settle down and negotiate peace on our terms. So there's a lot riding on these referendums. Uh, and, and as you mentioned, this, the way in which these are being done is, is as, at gunpoint, literally knocking on doors and saying, why haven't you voted? Uh, you know, come with us and go and vote or just tell us and we'll vote for you. The other element that I found very disturbing, and I guess this is something that the people in Ukraine are going to have to learn to deal with, these areas that are now uh, occupied by Russia, which are parts of Ukraine, uh, the story I saw last night, Elliot, suggested that uh, when he makes this declaration, anticipated declaration on Friday that says, okay, you guys are enough part of Russia, uh, those Ukrainian citizens, those males, are going to be conscripted into the Russian army, or some of them will anyway, uh, which is, you know, it just boggles the imagination the way this guy works and the way he's thinking right now. Uh, but that's going to cause more hassles. I mean, we've seen what's happening in Moscow right now where people are getting arrested. Some people are getting shot for trying to escape because they don't want to be conscripted into the army. Uh, now he's going to try to conscript Ukrainians into the Russian army. Yes, well, this takes us to the whole subject of the mobilization itself. Uh, this, um, we've just talked about knocking on doors. One of the, uh, you know, by these troops saying we, we want you to vote. But maybe they're also looking for people who are draft age, just along mm -hmm. the lines you were just saying, so they can draft local people to fight against themselves, their own people. Uh, what this mobilization does, among other things, is it really brings the war home. Until now, this war has really been a remote matter for the people that count for Mr. Putin, the ethnic Russians, particularly in the heartland, St. Petersburg and Moscow. Uh, this was not affecting them. It was affecting the minority areas, and particularly Dagestan and Chechnya and the Far East. And that's why there's so many riots out there. Uh, and why so many of the arrests are happening there. And also the bombings, the attacks on uh, actual bombings on recruitment centers are also out in that area because they know they are supposed to take uh, disproportionate uh, casualties as a result. But this does bring the war home. If you read the technical side of this, apparently these mobilizations are going to be only, uh, it's done by proportion, you know, the larger the population size, which takes it back home to the heartland of Russia, the more you're likely to be drafted and mobilized. Mobilized. So one of the things that's happening now, as you've seen, is draft-age people are now fleeing in huge numbers from that area. The other possibility that's uh, happening here in terms of the mobilization <laughs> is he was just flat-out lying uh, when he said, we are only going to call up 300,000 troops, and they're going to be people who have had military experience in the past, and we're going to train them further before sending them to the front. None of that seems to be actually the truth. He may be planning to drop, draw up up to a million people. That's part of the close reading of what's going on. And as we know, people are being um, uh, mobilized who are disabled, who are, who are uh, not of draft age in the normal sense, etc. So this mobilization is hugely disruptive and what i've been saying uh, to you and others is that this um, this activity by putin is a peril to the world but it's also potentially a peril now to mr putin because he's for the first time having significant pushback at home how 
precarious is his position right now? I'm, you know, we, I, I think I've talked in the past about, you know, I don't want to oversimplify it, but he serves at the pleasure of the, of the oligarchs. I mean, they're the ones with the money in that country. And well, he's one of them. Uh, and if they get ticked off at him, well, you have to wonder just how long he's going to be there. Does he still have an iron grip? It's very hard to know what's going on, except there's no reason to think he doesn't have an iron grip. The oligarchs you're mentioning, uh, this is kind of an asymmetric oligarchy. It's If you think of it kind of as an Al Capone state, uh, that would give you more of a feeling for the, as he calls it, the vertical of power. The power that really matters starts with him, goes down to the oligarchs, not the other way around. And we know that there's been these mysterious suicides. The one company headed by oligarchs that... Uh, came out right away saying, we don't like this war. We think it's a mistake. It's a bad idea. A number of the people connected to that company have now had mysterious suicides where they fall out windows. They murder their own families and then commit suicide, uh, women and children. are So there's, there's a clear message going out, I think, to oligarchs and others. Do not openly oppose Mr. Putin or his war. Which, again, fighting it on another front, sending a message to the oligarchs that uh, don't even think about it. Because there, there have been stories, you know, about some some concerns and disruptions within uh, the inner circle there. But uh, when the inner circle started dropping like flies, one guy, I think, accidentally, quote unquote, fell down the stairs uh, and, and broke his neck, I guess it was, uh, the, right. a couple of days ago. Uh, that's sending a message to the rest of them again to stay in line, basically. It is. And the one, you know, fell out of a hospital window, et cetera. Uh, but these these murder suicides, one after the other after the other, uh, the, the the oligarch himself is killed, but also the wife and the children. It's a pretty strong uh, message. The uh, on the question of the uh, possibility of revolt, I I think I've emphasized that the pushback also came from a core area, the municipal councils in both Saint Petersburg, his home base, and also Moscow have now started to start sign petitions saying we oppose this war. That's very brave of them. And we know the thousands of people now being arrested across the country. On this mobilization, we should also comment a little further that we're talking about quality of troops. The troops that Mr. Putin first put in place in this expeditionary force apparently were those that were intended built to fight off in the case of any NATO invasion. Those are the ones that the Ukrainian forces have now chewed up. There's, uh, the, the ranks of the military are now in tatters, apparently. The people who are being called up are going to be raw recruits. They don't want to go. Some of them will. I mean, there's going to be patriotic volunteers across Russia saying, yes, we're ready to defend the motherland against these Nazis, and we'll go in and do the job. But a lot of others w won't want to be there. They can't be put in place for a long time to come. So we, I think the key thing to keep in mind right now is we are in a brand new phase where Mr. Putin has said, A and B didn't work, uh, phase C is this, I'm all in on this. We're now going to mobilize the great Russian uh, resources, and we are going to win this war, and we are going to threaten nuclear uh, use, and we are laying the grounds for the use of nuclear weapons. We are into a very perilous new phase of this war. The U.S. has said uh, immediately right, uh, that we have been in contact, since you ask about is there a possibility of pushing Mr. Putin out, we have been in contact up and down uh, the various levels where we have access inside the Soviet Union, I'm uh, sorry, Russia, Soviet Union, indeed, the Russia uh, all along saying, we are telling you that 
if you do use nuclear weapons, the results will be <clears throat> decisive and catastrophic without specifying what that means. What we does that mean, though, Elliot? Of, it, it can't just be more sanctions. No. Uh, so, but what would it be? Uh, the possibility exists that Mr. Putin will not use nuclear, tactical nuclear weapons on the battlefield. He might use them in a demonstration effect, say, in the Black Sea or Sea of Azov. We don't know in what way nuclear weapons might be used, but we now are at a nuclear brink that we have not seen at least since the Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh, yeah, very similar situation uh, for those of us that lived through that, and uh, it was pretty frightening. And uh, that, you know, the, those, those are the echoes that we're hearing now. That we're a lot closer and on the verge of, of a, a conflict that may go out of control very quickly. Depending, uh, it just takes one slip by one of the person. But we, you're starting to get, not, if not saber rattling, at least some pretty strong language from people like uh, Secretary of State Blinken and uh, and uh, uh, Mr. Sullivan, of course, the uh, uh, State Department and uh, the White House uh, spokesperson. Uh, simply saying that, you know, we're going to push back this time, which, and again, like I say, we don't know what that is going to be just yet, but I would imagine there are some pretty hasty discussions going on between the United States administration and, and NATO right now, uh, because NATO still maintains that they can't set foot in there. Uh, and Biden seemed to indicate over the weekend that me, we may not have a choice. The um, whole posture of the United States has been from day one, and it's been announced repeatedly by Mr. Biden, is that our goal is to help Ukraine, but we are going to, we are going to avoid World War III. As Ukraine proved its mettle on the battlefield, the support for Ukraine has gone up. But the only boots on the ground have been Ukrainian boots on the ground. There's no, apart from those foreign volunteers who are not numerous, uh, some kind of foreign legion thing there. But the Ukrainians are fighting this on their own on the ground with increasing support right up to the point where, no, you cannot use our brand new weapons we're giving you to fire into Russia. You still can only fire into, you know, the territory that might mm -hmm. include Ukraine, which is your own. But what about these new statelets that are now going to be Russian territory as of Friday? What happens when those are attacked? That's the kind of, of um, game we are in. Mr. Putin has now put himself in position where he either wins or he loses. That's very dangerous. It is very fluid situation. Uh, we'll certainly keep an eye on this. Elliot, thank you so much for this for this perspective. Really appreciate the time today. Oh, you're very welcome, Bill. Take care. That's uh, Elliot Tepper, of course, emeritus professor of political science at Carleton University, keeping an eye on the Ukraine situation, and uh, we'll see just what happens on Friday with that Putin announcement. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from nine to noon on 900 CHML. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.